Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this program is the 14th in this series. In this program, I am in John chapter 4, verse 7, beginning in verse 7, where it says, A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, in the previous programs, I explained that there were several conflicts that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. The beginning of these conflicts started when the Jews returned from their captivity in Babylon. When they returned from their captivity in Babylon, they made a decision that the identity of a Jew or an Israelite would be defined according to the maternal line, according to who their mother was. Now, this was a big change because historically, The identity of a Jew or an Israelite was dependent on who your father was, and this had to do with property rights, inheritance, things like that. But the Jews made a change. They made a decision, and they have a scripture that they use in order to support this belief that they decided to have, and this belief has survived to this day. To this day, if you were to ask a person, are you Jewish, then the question would be answered by whether or not their mother was Jewish. The Samaritans, however, they maintained their records according to the paternal line. Their identity was dependent on who their father was, their identity as an Israelite. So when the Jews returned, they were not willing to accept the Samaritans because they were not maintaining their genealogical records according to the maternal line and their identity as an Israelite according to the maternal line. There were also issues concerning the fact that many of the Samaritans were not Israelites by blood. They could certainly qualify according to the Mosaic law as a person who just simply subjects themselves to the Mosaic law and they could be considered to be a convert. The Mosaic law made a provision For anyone who dwelt in the land of Israel, the same law would apply to everyone who was there. So the Jews could have accepted the Samaritans on that basis. But because they took the position that the records needed to be maintained on the maternal line and that the identity, the legitimate identity as an Israelite would be based on that, there was a disagreement between the Samaritans and the Jews. So the Jews continued on and they reconstructed Jerusalem and they built the temple there and they began the temple practices. When the Samaritans realized that the temple was now constructed in Jerusalem and that it was in operation, there was an interest in participating in the temple services, in the sacraments, the ceremonies and the sacrifices that were taking place there in Jerusalem. They wanted to obey the Mosaic law with regards to living in obedience to the law of God 
at the place that was declared to be the place for the name of God, Jerusalem. However, because they were not conforming to the beliefs of the Pharisees at that time, they were not given access to the temple because they were not conforming as the Jews wanted them to conform, to live according to the law in the way that the Jews wanted them to live. So the Samaritans were not allowed access to the temple in Jerusalem. Therefore, they built their own temple on Mount Gerizim, and they rewrote the scriptures to give bias towards Mount Gerizim instead of Jerusalem, and they simply lived according to the law as best they could, using their temple that was in their community. This, of course, is considered to be unacceptable according to the Mosaic Law, but that's what they had. That's what they had to work with, and so that was their decision. There were other conflicts that existed, but I'm not going to get into those right now. Proceeding into John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, Jesus engages in a conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, a man did not have a conversation with a woman in the Israelite society. That was just not something that took place. Unless it took place within a private residence, and this, of course, would therefore be under the supervision of the head of the household. Besides that, in general, you would never see a man talking with a woman, especially in public. And so this was a unique circumstance where Jesus was speaking to the woman. Now, this was an exception to the general cultural bias that a man would not speak to a woman because it was taking place at a well. This was how single people were expected to meet. If a man had an interest in obtaining a wife, he would go to the public well because that was where the ladies would go in order to draw water for their households. It was considered to be a lady's job as part of the household to go and obtain water for the household. And so there were women who were married and there were women who were single who were going to the well in order to obtain water. That was the place, the public place where the guys could go and speak with a woman to see if perhaps she may have an interest in him. He would speak to her because he has an interest in her and her response would give him an indication as to whether or not she might consider him as someone who could be her husband, in which case he would find out who her father is, and then he would go and speak with her father and negotiate the terms of a marriage, and then she could accept or reject the offer that they agree to. And so when Jesus is speaking with this woman, it could be assumed that he as a man has an interest in her as a woman. That was how the society at that time understood this kind of interaction. Now, the way that the conversations would start would be that the man would ask the woman for some water. We are there at the well. The woman came to draw water out of the well. The man would ask her for some water from the well. And if she gave it to him with a smile, then he would know that she may have an interest in him. But if she did not, then he would know that this is not necessarily going to be the girl for him. So Jesus asked the woman, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, this is a Samaritan woman, and he is a Jewish man. Now, if he is asking her this kind of a question, 
that could be considered as him informing her that he has an interest in her personally, well, this could just never work out because the Jews believed that the identity of a Jew was based on the maternal line. And so if they were to get married and have children, then the children would not be considered to be Jewish. They would never be accepted within the Jewish community. And so the Jewish man, by marrying a woman who is not Jewish, would be considered to be a man who is no longer a part of the Jewish community. He would no longer be recognized as someone who would be a part of the Jewish society. That was the bias that the Jewish people had at this time in history. The Samaritans didn't accept the Jews very much either. There was a conflict that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so a Jewish man would not necessarily be welcome within the Samaritan community either. And so if they were to get married and start a family and have a life together, they would have to leave the country, practically, in order to be a part of another community. Otherwise, they would be relatively isolated from the society that they were a part of. They would have to just simply leave the country. And so these are the kinds of issues that would be raised or that would be brought up or thought of when you see a Jewish man speaking with a Samaritan woman at the well. Now, the woman was relatively polite. We continue on in reading John chapter 4. We see in verse 9 where it says, Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you... Being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now her question was, how is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? How could you even consider asking me for such a thing? This is a way of her asking him, what are you thinking? I mean, seriously, don't you understand that you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman? This is just simply not going to work at all. What are you doing asking me this kind of a question? She's being relatively polite with him in this case. Now, John adds, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And so in verse 9, we do have the tone because of what John added. We do have the tone that Jesus could have legitimately asked the Samaritan woman for water. But this would have been a legitimate request if Jesus also offered her some money for the water. If he offered her some money in the sense that he asked her if he could buy some water from her, then that would be a legitimate exchange of conversation, and it's understood that he just needs some water, he wants some water, and he's willing to pay her for that. This is not about him trying to get personal with her at all. However, that's not what he offered her. And so John included, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, in the sense that he's not offering her money, but he is asking her for a drink of water. In this case, this is how verse 9 would be understood. It would be understood on the basis of Jesus asking her to give him something sort of as a favor. 
not giving her money, not giving her anything in return, but as a favor. You know, would you just give me something? I would really appreciate it. Now, according to the Pharisees, you would never ask a Samaritan for a favor, and you would never give a Samaritan a favor. A favor in the sense that after the interaction takes place, someone owes somebody else. Somebody owes someone else a favor. If you do something for one person for free, then the other person could be considered to be in a place of obligation. Obligation in the sense that they would have an obligation to return the favor, not at this point, but maybe someday in the future. And the Pharisees said, look, if you're going to have any interactions with the Samaritans, have an interaction, but have an equitable exchange, and let that be the end of the interaction with the Samaritans. Don't be in a position of owing a Samaritan anything. And so when Jesus asked her for a drink of water, he certainly was not there letting her know that he had a personal interest in her. He did not offer her any money either for the water. And so what he's asking for is he's asking for a favor that could put him in a position of having an obligation to her in a small way. But at some point, she could remind him, hey, listen, you asked me for a drink of water and I gave you a drink of water at that time. I'm asking you for something else that probably is pretty close to the cost and the expense and the relative value of a drink of water. And so how about that? That could be a conversation for later. But Jesus responds. He responds anyway, and he responds in the context of a gift, which is what he was asking her for. He was asking her for a gift of water, and he responds according to that theme. In verse 10, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. He did have something to offer her in exchange. So he was not violating the principles or the beliefs of the Pharisees in the sense that he did have something that he could offer her in exchange. He could offer her living water in exchange. And so after Jesus says this in verse 10, we now have an understanding of why Jesus initiated this conversation. He initiates this conversation because he wants to tell the Samaritan woman at the well about himself, about the fact that he is the Messiah and that he has something to offer her. He has living water which effectively is a way of saying that he has something that he can offer her in the sense of eternal life, in accordance with the gospel. That's what he's introducing to her here in this conversation. So in verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Well, there was a definition for living water. There was an understanding concerning this phrase. We know, according to the gospel, that he's referring to eternal life. He's referring to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But there was a definition for living water that the people understood 
and they used this phrase in their conversations. Living water was water that was moving. It was moving at a certain rate. It was moving over the surface, like in a river or a creek, or it was under the ground, moving under the ground, and the access to that water was through a well. Now, this was in comparison with water that was not living, that you could call dead water, and that would be a water in a puddle or in a pond, something like that. But in this case, she has access to living water, and Jesus does not have the tools that he needs in order to get access to that water. But he does offer living water, and the woman asks him, well, where are you going to get that from? And so in verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? This was a way of the woman identifying herself as an Israelite, her father Jacob, Jacob, the original Israelite, and that this was his well, and that they are considered to be the descendants of Jacob. They maintained their genealogical records according to the paternal line, and they had confidence, many of them had confidence in being Israelites, even though the Jews would not acknowledge them in that way. But she asks him, are you greater? Are you greater than Jacob who provided them with this well? She has access to the well. She has access to this living water. Does he have access to living water in some other way that she cannot see, that she cannot understand or appreciate? Does he? Is he greater than Jacob who provided her with this? It was a subtle way of saying Look, we are Israelites, and we are a part of this, and we have access to Jacob's well, and here you as a Jew, you don't. In what ways are you suggesting that you are greater than us? In what way are you suggesting that you are greater in this particular circumstance where I can get the water and you cannot? Where are you going to get this water from? Are you greater than Jacob? Now, of course, he is. He is greater. But he is greater because he is the Messiah. That's what makes him greater. And in this conversation, this is what he's going to tell her. In verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus changes the tone of the conversation to say we are going to talk about spiritual things. We are going to talk about the things of God. That's why I am having this conversation with you. I am having this conversation with you because I'm asking you for a drink of water, but also so that I can offer you something spiritual, something that has to do with our God. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So she's thinking, okay, you're going to give me this special living water and so that I will never be thirsty, thirsty in a physical sense. So I won't have to ever come here to get water. Is that what you're saying? Well, of course, that's not what he's saying. He knows that and she knows this. This is not a productive question. And so Jesus does not answer the question. 
where she says, give me this water. In effect, will you give me this water? He doesn't respond to that because that's not what he's talking about. That might be what she's thinking or she is telling him that she doesn't understand anything about what he's saying and she's asking him to explain a little bit more indirectly. And of course she doesn't understand what he's saying. We know that that's the case. We know that Jesus told her this in order to engage in the conversation that follows. And so Jesus does not respond to her telling him effectively asking him to give her this living water. He does not respond to that in the physical sense. Instead, he's going to demonstrate to her that he is, in fact, greater than Jacob. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband, which is a way of saying, Well, you know, I'm not married. I am single. And so if you're a single guy and I'm a single girl and we're talking, you know, this could be a possibility. This is not what Jesus is willing to talk about. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And then in verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, this is her response to him telling her something about herself, that he knows about her. So she now realizes that we're not talking, we're not having a conversation about water. That's not what we're doing here. We are having a conversation about spiritual things. At this point, it becomes completely clear and completely obvious to her. And she acknowledges, my goodness, you know things about me that you shouldn't know, that you wouldn't know. How could you know these things? You must be a prophet. I am willing to acknowledge that. Maybe you are greater than Jacob. And so what does she do? She proceeds to move into a theological discussion. She changes her tone in this conversation to say, okay, let's talk about spiritual things. Let's do that. Let's be done with this conversation about water and let's talk about the spiritual issues, especially the issues that are between the Jews and the Samaritans. Let's get into a conversation. Let's talk about some of these issues. You're a prophet. You're a person who is considered to be of high regard in Israel. Well, let's talk about it. In verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Let's go ahead and have a conversation about this conflict that exists between our people. Let's go ahead and have a conversation about this. We say we can worship on this mountain. You say you worship on that mountain. So let's talk about that. Well, a conversation like this is going to end up being a conversation on the legitimacy of the scriptures that each person has. The Samaritans altered their scriptures. The Jews did not. And so the argument is not going to be settled until the Samaritans acknowledge that they changed their scriptures. They also need to acknowledge that the Jews did not give them access to the temple, and that was one of the motivating factors as to why the Samaritans set up their own temple. And so the Jews would also have to acknowledge their fault in this matter. 
But the reality is that our God did establish a specific place where the people were expected to gather, where they were required to gather, and worship their God at that location. This was very important. God defined this as being very important. But he did this for many reasons, and at this time in history, we have the fulfillment of what I believe is the primary reason as to why God established Jerusalem as the place of worship. Now, really, he could have chosen any place, but the fact that he chose a specific place had the consequence that the people would be there, that all the people would be present, would be physically present at this location. And this was important because when Jesus arrived at this time in history, he would be able to go to Jerusalem at the appointed times that God established when everyone would be there so that what he did would be a public event before the entire nation of Israel. And what he did was assert himself as the Messiah. Thank you for listening. This program is the 14th program in the verse-by-verse study on the book of John. In this program, I explained the initial conversation that took place between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, that there was a general conversation that happened that Jesus engaged in, and that his intent was to engage in a spiritual conversation with the woman at the well so that he could eventually explain to her that he is the Messiah. And so Jesus engaged in this conversation so that he could make a public proclamation to the people of Samaria, to the Samaritans, that he was the Messiah that God established and that this is the time in history when all things will change, when the relationship between God and Israel will change and they will have an opportunity to enter into the new covenant that gets established. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net that you may